0: Hello there person listening to me and welcome to my podcast, where I'm going to uncover your deepest secrets. Like for example, that person you're always thinking about, even in your dreams, and how amazing a cop you two would be if only they knew exist and were surrounding to famous celebrities with so much money than you. Because you know, that person is one of the most famous people out there that can have anybody they like. But for some reason, you think you're the one, because how couldn't you be? You know everything about them, that of birth, favorite food, favorite movie, their siblings name, and follow them ever since. Okay, but maybe you just think if they had the chance to meet you, you two would be like the best besties everyone ever saw. Because you know everything about them. Or even better than that, every day you ask yourself, how are you going to find a partner if the ideal, so perfect person you want is only in some old pages of your favorite book called Selection? Am I right? Or just maybe, you just want to talk with Loki and have a deep conversation, why so misunderstood? Did I uncover your secrets? Well, they are not that secret as you think, you know why? Because your secret has a name, and surprises surprises, everybody has it too. Welcome to my podcast, where I'm going to tell you more about your secret called Parasocial Relationship. You might not think I'm crazy or even me, oh my god, this is so true. Well, as I said before, Alaspira was a name. For a social relationship. You probably are thinking, yeah, but what that means? And I'm going to explain everything to you, don't worry. Well, more or less. I've talked with people who tell me a lot about it, and it wouldn't be fair if you don't listen to their own words, right? My first interviewer is Gail Stever, a professor of psychology in Paris State, University of New York. She has a lot of parasocial relationship articles and I was lucky to talk to her and discover more about the subject. So your first question, what is a parasocial relationship? Well, here's the answer.
1: Well, a parasocial relationship is defined as a relationship that is not reciprocated. Uh, the word reciprocal is key because Um, In a parasocial relationship, I know this person really well, and they don't know me. So, and I might know them really well, and they don't even know who I am in most cases.
0: Parasocial relationships are not something new. Something that just happens now in this generation, no. It's something that has been around since ever. Even though something that was being researched is quite new, everybody has or had a parasocial relationship. You might think you're different and so on because you're not that crazy about celebrity, but parasocial relationship is part of your life. We talk
1: about three levels. Uh, You might have seen this in one of the articles. A parasocial interaction is when I'm watching or consuming media and I'm mentally interacting with the people on the screen or even out loud sometimes. I'm sure you've been watching a sporting event on TV where the guy drops the ball and you're yelling, you stupid, you know, you're saying something to them. They can't hear you, but you're saying it anyway, right? That's a parasocial interaction. I'm interacting with someone who can't interact back. The parasocial relationship begins when I walk away from the media and I'm still thinking about what happened or the relationship or whatever and I maybe I'm having a mental dialogue with the with the person oh I am so sorry
0: Uh, her dog decides to make us company probably because he agrees as well who knows how many personal relationships he might have in the Um, past
1: so in the relationship I'm now mentally interacting with someone maybe I just just saw a movie and I'm thinking about well what would I have done if I'd been that character and what would I have said? And you know, we all do this. We all think in our mm-hmm. mind, are or we, or we practice? Sometimes we're just practicing how I would talk to somebody by practicing with this favorite celebrity or somebody that we admire. And then the third level is what we call a parasocial attachment. Now attachment is a concept that originally was developed about parents and infants. So an infant is attached to parents because they, in order to be safe and secure and cared for, they have to stay near the parent. I mean, human infants are very vulnerable. So the concept of attachment involves proximity seeking. I need to be near the person who's the object of my attachment in order to feel safe and secure. When you extend this to media, anytime a person in media gives you a sense of safety or security or comfort that can be called a parasocial attachment.
0: We all do this. Sometimes you're just too sad and what do you do? Watch your favorite movie or listen to your favorite song because that makes you feel better. We have that bound that unites us to either the character or singer that makes us feel safe. Stever tells me an amazing example of a woman who listened to Josh Groman music while doing chemotherapy because she had stage 3 cancer. The music made her feel safe. And in a lot of ways, that what peer social relationships are beneficial for us—the security, warmth—even if he's too far away from us. Every time a famous person dies, we see a lot of fans crying and showing their love, and often they are called crazy. I mean. Every day today, they are called crazy just because they see a famous person like a friend. It's not craziness. However, a lot of people see parasocial as an obsession, something dangerous. But is it really? Ask Gilles Steven about it, specifically how a parasocial relationship can become something out of control that a lot of people see as. Well, it can't. When you're talking about obsession or worship, you're not talking about personal relationships. No, it involves something really different than that.
1: Um, I've studied fans and I've studied parasocial relationships for over 30 years. The kinds of things you're talking about are very, maybe one in a hundred people at most. Mm-hmm. So most people who are engaging in parasocial relationships, it, that it's not. What you're saying it's not toxic or bad it certainly could be I agree with you there's a whole literature on something you might look look this up um, on something called celebrity worship and celebrity worship specifically says that if I get so enthralled with my favorite celebrity that if they ask me to do something illegal for example I would do it that's what we call borderline pathological celebrity worship it's so a lot of big words, but but you can look that up. Borderline pathological celebrity worship. And in that case, you've got somebody who's admiring a celebrity. And again, it isn't always negative stuff, but but the, the it's defined as, well, if this celebrity asked me to do something bad, I would do it. And I think that's when it can become hot potentially. For example, let's say that the role model celebrity does drugs. Well, you know, gee, I'm going to do drugs. So-and-so does drugs. That would be an example. I I haven't run into a lot of that, but it's certainly possible that you could emulate somebody famous and do do negative things as a result. Um, I have seen, actually, this is something I have seen, is fans who admire a celebrity and develop anorexia because the celebrity is ultra thin. I've actually seen... Young women de- develop eating disorders in an attempt to emulate a very a, a super thin celebrity. So that's an example of a possible negative uh, effect um, would be you know, emulating someone and it doesn't have a good outcome.
0: But is it really like this that people see personal relationships? No, because for them, the line that divides obsession and admiration. It's really, really dim. For them, someone killing a celebrity is the same as a teenager going crazy over a favorite singer's visuals. And the funny thing is, usually only teenage girls are mostly seen as obsessive. Like, can a man also be obsessive? Well, they can. Celebrity worship is about mental illness, not gender. Obsession don't have a gender.
1: Just use the word obsession. There's two meanings for the word obsession. We have an everyday meaning. I I mean, I do a lot of crocheting. Oh, she's obsessed with crocheting. You know, we use that as an everyday word to mean, oh, she's really into that. Okay. But then there's a clinical meaning for obsession. There's something called obsessive compulsive disorder, and there's a clinical obsession, which means the person can't stop thinking about something there. It's a mental illness. So you have to be really careful when you use the word obsession because obsession can just be a normal kind of super intense interest in something that again isn't there's nothing wrong with it i mean if somebody's obsessed with their favorite sports team that's usually not you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but if someone has obsessive compulsive disorder and they become obsessive about anything a celebrity a sports team anything that, again, has its root in a mental illness. Now, you're talking about people for whom, you know, um, are the K-pop fans who get into these yeah. K-pop They're obsessed with them. Well, you know, that could potentially be a clinical exception. That's certainly possible. But I would guess that most of the time it's what we're talking about with a more, more normal obsession where it's just well, teenagers in particular will become yeah. very intense about things. Is that a normal developmental part of adolescence? It, it, it can be. And my guess would be that most of the time, a young person who's really into something like that, that's developmentally normal. So again, you have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. You're know, using language and words can have different meanings. And so that obsessed word is one that I'm always careful about because you don't wanna mix up clinical obsession with the way we use obsessed in an everyday kind of meaning. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, I really like K-pop I well, totally understand I, that. As a K-pop fan myself, I always question myself if the fandom I'm in is not too obsessive or something similar. Probably you know the reputation of K-pop fans have of being just crazy kids who only love their older singers and do everything for them. But that makes me think, isn't every fandom like that? I do agree that K-pop fans sometimes take things too seriously. I noticed that. But aren't other fandoms the same way? I've talked about my views of K-pop with Killer about it, how fans show their love through social media and the way people see them.
1: Um, I think too, social media is a whole different thing because when you're on social media, you're essentially anonymous. Um, you, can, you can sort of fly under the radar and you can be as quote crazy as you want on social media with no accountability. You know, you can, you can create a handle for yourself on Twitter and get out there and tweet all kinds of weird stuff without, without anybody knowing it's you. And, and there's a certain amount of safety in anonymity. People sometimes will do things when they feel protected and anonymous that they wouldn't do in their everyday life. And of course, with the pandemic, the amount of interaction with social media has increased, right? Mm-hmm. So potentially more of this could happen. People are isolated at home. They don't have any other way to interact. They get on social media and they they get a little bit over the top, as you're describing. Certainly is possible. but it, But again, every person who's on social media who's really into some celebrity isn't necessarily have a problem i mean they you know they can just be a super super dedicated fan of something and it isn't necessarily a problem so again you have to be really careful to differentiate
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know pathology from well you know i'm really into this and it looks crazy but it's not because it's mm-hmm. well think about sports fans i know you have this in england they go to a sporting event and they paint their faces and they I act all wild and crazy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly sports fans have a reputation for that. We very rarely label those people as pathological. Somehow that's become more acceptable than if you had exactly the same level of craziness over a celebrity. Um, And I'm not sure why that is. Um, I mean, there's some theories about it, but um, interests that are male domain That are more men are less likely to be pathologized than things that tend to be more women that's Mm -hmm. a general trend so being a pop star fan tends to be more women and being a sports fan tends to be more men is that Mm -hmm. why being a pop star fan is more likely to be pathologized I mean that's possible it's possible that there's a gender bias there
0: Now, you know what a per relationship is, but let's not stop there. per relationships are a lot more than just seeping over someone. No, 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 we have to go deeper. These relationships are just like the others you have in your own life, with some adjustments. But they can influence in the same way, that's for sure. And why? Because in the majority of times, we see our favorite celebrities as friends. A friend who is really far away from us, but unlike the others don't judge you and don't leave you maybe because they are never there Jale L Derek talks about her experience with personal relationships what lead her to study the subject in first place all because she loved friends
3: So it wasn't so much an addiction it was more just... Um, I noticed that whenever I had a fight with my boyfriend at the time and I was upset, I was distressed, um, I would sit down and at this time we didn't really have Netflix. So I was binge watching from the DVDs of uh, friends that I had purchased. <clears throat> but I discovered that when I um, you know, spent time watching um, these um, you know, fictional friends, Um, I no longer felt as badly about the conflict, right? And so that led me to kind of question, okay, so um, is that true for everyone? You know, is that something that a lot of people do? Uh, Do we turn to these uh, fictional relationships when we're not getting what we need um, out of our real relationships? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of where it started.
0: Isn't it crazy how watching something fictional can totally change our mood, or even our life? These fictional stories, fictional people, all of these make us feel happy. They are there for us because, as Teno said, reality is often disappointing.
3: Yeah, so my colleagues and I view parasocial relationships as a route to fulfilling um, needs that we don't, that aren't being met in our current relationships. So um, when we're feeling lonely, we can use um, parasocial relationships to make us feel better, Um, or if we're feeling rejected or excluded, hurt by someone. um, We can also use uh, parasocial relationships to kind of become more like the person we wanna be. So um, my colleagues and I have some research showing that, um, you know, we know that high self-esteem people Um, are able to use their real social relationships uh, to move closer to um, their ideal self, the person they would ideally like to be. Low self-esteem people um, aren't always able to do that um, because they're very concerned with the possibility that they'll be rejected by close others. So they're not able to take advantage of these benefits of close relationships. But low self-esteem people can do this with parasocial relationships because there's essentially um, no fear of rejection there, right? So, I mean, the show might end, but the character is not going to turn around and say, I don't like you anymore. So, um, it's kind of the safe way that they can get some of the benefits, um, that high self-esteem people get from real relationships. Um, I've also found that, um, we, when we're feeling, um, fatigued, Uh, When we feel like we, we, on days when we've used a lot of self control and we don't feel like we have a lot of um, energy or willpower left, um, we can, we often turn to these parasocial relationships and they can help us to feel re energized. Um,
0: Just like friends, we lay on them. We all have experience of someone who turns their back to us when we need it most, right? Well, can we really judge the love and support for someone? He's never going to leave. I had a conversation with Rebecca Forster, assistant professor in the School of Communication. She has a book coming in May about celebrity crushes, and she gave an insight about it.
2: Right, and then... But this book is about parasocial romantic relationships, so having a crush on a celebrity... Or falling in love with a fictional character or any, any of those things. Um, so, um, so I'm talking about the history of it, like going all the way back to um, ancient Rome mm-hmm. as first examples so of people have celebrity crushes that are documented um, and um, talking about um, like psychologically why does it happen, whom does it happen to Like a lot of people think that's, oh, like, that's like a girl thing, like teenage girls have crushes. And that's true, but that's not the whole story. People can have those romantic parasocial relationships anytime in their life. Both men and women are as likely to have them. And uh, they are important psychologically. They play important role for good and for bad and in people's, um, from a psychological perspective.
0: People focus so much on what is toxic that they don't focus on how good impact these relationships have. I mean, they notice, but they don't really observe. For them, it's just madness. But how does it work? people, but like they choose to do it anyway. They,
2: there's a for whatever reason they don't want to or cannot have a relationship with mm-hmm. someone. Um, romantic relationship and instead of being by themselves they want to have an imaginary relationship and they know it's imaginary they are not mentally ill they understand the difference but they enjoy this f- fictional relationship this fantasy relationship
0: it's like a game and it makes them feel good. People focus so much on the craziness that they can't really see the benefits of personal relationships. Let's talk about teens, they are the most target as crazy, especially girls, as I said before. But don't people see how much they gain for these fake relationships? For, for, uh, and, and then for um, adoles-
2: adolescents, it serves a very important function of helping um, adolescents kind of discover what they want in their love life. So you might not have an opportunity to date or you might have some limitations in because you as a, as a teenager, you can date like other kids that are just like yourself confused and, and, and you have also all those social um, sanctions mm-hmm. right Like you don't want to be, stigmatized for dating too many guys or being too easy or something like that so you have all of those things going on that make dating really confusing and scary you don't want to be rejected right and you don't want to be pressured into sexual things you don't feel comfortable with mm. so and you're still figuring out what you want and what you like so it's very confusing time and therefore having an imaginary romantic relationship with a, ce- with a celebrity or a fictional character where you can imagine yourself having a relationship with Harry Potter or imagine yourself having a relationship with Harry Styles or wh- whoever it is that you are in love with in the media, it allows you to, dis- to experience romance in a way that is safe.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, I think okay. I can see what you, you're talking about. Everybody thinks personal relationships are only for teenagers, but I have my mom who loves kid dramas and spends free time watching them and feels happy while doing it and loves to interact with her favorite actor. And she's definitely not a teenager, and so what? Can adults also get something from it?
2: I, you know, I, in, for the book I was interviewing uh, women in their 40s that would have a crush on a singer or an actor or on Edward from uh, Twilight mm. and and they and, and it's you know like they have their issues in their marriage or motherhood or whatever it is and this is a fantasy opportunity for them to, be someone else in a relationship with someone else in a different imaginary life and they're fully functioning happy adults but and they're not teenage girls but they can enjoy this parasocial romantic relationship um those women in their 40s that they, they feel like oh i just like who am i now I'm like, all the time they think about like, I'm, I'm in their role as a mother or a wife or a girlfriend, like they're taking care of everyone else. Like their sexuality is eroded, especially after becoming mothers. And then having this crush helps them to rekindle this part of themselves that is, it's, again, being about myself and who I am and what I want and my desires and passions and love and sexuality. Mm. So it's something that's beneficial for someone internally, psychologically. It's not about them being better with other people.
0: Life is difficult and nobody wants to feel betrayed in some way. We are just trying to figure it out who we are and what we like and all the questions that come as we get older. Parasitial relationships might not be real, but save us from a lot of work, that's for sure. We talk about what is a parasocial relationship and the benefits. While I was doing the interviews, there was something that I just couldn't shake off my head. We see celebrities as friends, that's for sure, but do people know it's fake? Or do they really see them as friends for right or die? I keep asking myself, do they have boundaries? Do they know that it's basically impossible to meet their favorites? It might seem a stupid question, but I see fans that really treat celebrities like close friends and buy their albums like it's their responsibility. Is this some way connected with personal relationships? Derek tell me the answer.
3: But um, our self-concept is very flexible. Um, the way that we think about ourselves changes from situation to situation and uh, depending on who we're interacting with. Um, and um, a lot of people tend to take on the characteristics of their close others. Um, so we tend to see ourselves as being more similar to our close friends, our romantic partners, our family, um, when we're around those people than when we're around other people. Um, And that can help. um, And so we also have like an actual self, which is the self that we see ourselves as being right now. And then we have like an ideal self. So the person we would ideally like to be one day. Um, There's also the possibility of an ought self. So the person we ought to be, what we should be doing, um, and then a feared self. Um, but basically, so what we found is high self-esteem people um, are able to use close relationship partners, real people, um, to um, they kind of assimilate the traits of those people to make themselves feel like they're closer to their ideal self. Um, low self-esteem people can't do that. Um, but they do that with parasocial relationships. So in this particular case, um, the research that we did was looking at um, more a frame of mind or way of thinking about the self and not idealizing a celebrity and emulating them, right? So it's they did see themselves as being more similar to their favorite celebrity, um, but um It wasn't because they were actually engaging in any of the behaviors that celebrity might. Um, And so as an example of kind of the way I think about this, um, I personally am not a huge fan of say the Kardashians, but for someone who really is, um, it may be that um, watching their uh, series or um, following their presence in the media or um, buying their products, Those kinds of things may actually make that person feel better about themselves and it's not because they're hiding who they really are it's because they're spending time with a friend um you know it's a one-sided relationship the Kardashians don't know that they're friends but to the person um, who has this parasocial relationship it feels psychologically meaningful and so it's kind of a way of you know we choose the celebrities that we like So in some ways it's kind of, um, you know, it's a way of validating ourselves, right? Um, So it's not necessarily that we identify with these people. It's not necessarily that we emulate them. Um, That does happen, but that's different from a parasocial relationship.
0: It was a really good discovery, to be honest. The way that these people that we never saw can impact us in this way is interesting. It might explain why so many fans buy a lot of merch by their celebrities, right? If you are my friend, I want to support you and show how much I love you. I can't do it in person, but I can do it in other ways. I remember when I paid for an album of an artist I like, and I felt happy, not just because I had the album, because I couldn't listen to the album on YouTube anyways, which explains massive streams by the way. But because in some way I was helping them, like a friend will do. But like all friendships, there are boundaries that need to be respected. Um,
3: I think in many ways, we know, even though this this bond feels psychologically real to us, we know cognitively it's not a real relationship. Um, And so the vast majority of people don't overstep those bounds because even though they feel like they know that person, they like that person, they feel like that person would like them, they know that they don't actually have a relationship with that person. So I think for the the vast majority of the time, um, there isn't that overstepping. However, (laughs) there are exceptions to that, obviously. So there are some people that, um, I mean, so you could think of, for example, if you're a little bit lower in empathy, um, you feel like you're really close to the celebrity, but maybe you can't put yourself in their shoes. You're not able to do the perspective taking required to realize that that celebrity has no idea who you are. So there there are situations where um, people might overstep because they feel like they're close to the celebrity and the celebrity would of course like them if they just knew them. So I imagine there are situations like that. Um, And obviously there are situations where um, you have someone that's stalking someone else, but just like in real social relationships, stalking someone is abnormal. In parasocial relationships, that's abnormal too. Right, so that's not part, that's not a normative thing. Most people don't do that. And it's not a healthy thing when it happens.
0: You must think well, this is all about celebrities. I don't care about them. So, personal relationships don't affect me. Well, you're wrong. We talk about human beings, but personal is about fictional characters as well, like books and anime. If, on the other hand, you think you are in a better position just because you like celebrities and not fictional characters because they are real, think twice.
2: It is the exact same thing because when you have a personal relationship with Justin Bieber, he's, yes, uh, he Justin Bieber is an actual person and Harry Potter is not an actual person, but... You are you don't know Justin Bieber. You imagine who Justin Bieber is. So you are having a relationship with an imaginary version of that person, Justin Bieber. And then you know, if you have a parasocial relationship with Batman, you can go to Comic Con and meet Batman, right? Mm. It's so the, oh. the, the distinction between reality and fiction is really, really. Um, Nuance, like it, I mean, it's not, it's it's not really there. Like they're both, they're they're. It's 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 a gradient. It's not like clear cut.
0: This is Rebecca's opinion. I asked the same question to Derek, and her point of view was interesting as well.
3: So, in my opinion, it's not necessarily different because you still don't know the person. Uh, so they may be a real person, but you still don't know them. So it's still an imaginary relationship. Right, um, but on the other hand, you may have more opportunities to engage with uh, um, media about them. Right, so you may be able to see them in multiple roles if they're a um, you know movie of an actor. Um, you may be able to follow them in magazines or online. Um, you may see interviews with them where they're talking as themselves instead of as a character. So there may be um, a richer relationship because you could you have more opportunities to see them but on the other hand um with a television character or a book character especially you have more access to their internal thoughts and so you may actually know those characters better than you know a celebrity you've been following for a long time so i think you know i don't have a strong i, I don't have a research basis but i i my gut is that they wouldn't be dramatically different
0: So today you'll learn more about why you have this celebrity crush or these fantasies of waiting in mcdonalds your favorite actor. You might think that everything I said today was garbage and personal relationships are just one-time thing. They're not. Personal relationships are something that we always be in your life. They are not temporary, but supplementary. As you heard before, these relationships give us what we need in real life. And even if you like it or not, we can always have what we need from our close ones. Sometimes love, understanding, or even hope. Because of that, personal relationships will always exist. We are always looking okay for something that only your favorite show can give you, or just relax and have fun while listening to your favorite song. Personal relationships are nothing to be ashamed of. They are natural. We all have relationships. These ones are just fake.